What's up and welcome into the lead block. Happy Friday, everybody. My name is Tyler Walters. I'm your host alongside my guy, Matthew Anderson. Matthew, how you doing? Doing great, man. How about you? Doing good. Heading into championship weekend. Before we start, go follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at the lead underscore block. Go follow Matthew at Matt, the chosen one, number one, uh, myself at Tyler Walters CNR. Uh, go subscribe, rate, review. Make sure you're following us on Spotify so we pop up when you open the app. Um, and maybe next year we'll be number one on everybody's uh, Spotify raft. That would be great. Coming like a thief in the night. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll start. We got big week this week. Championship week in college football. So that's probably going to be 90% of the show today. Very self-accordingly. Yeah. Uh, and the thing I want to start with, though, something you were, you know, DMing me about yesterday on Twitter with this whole Ryan Holinsky injury drama. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to just stick a mic in your face last night because you were, I know you were, had quite a good bit of thoughts on it. Um, we'll start here with the timeline. So Tuesday, uh, right? Yeah, Tuesday. Uh, Mike Gillespie, ABC Columbia. He's, I don't know if he broke it or whatever, but he's the first one I saw. Tweeted out that Ryan Holinsky, uh, South Carolina's quarterback, has a torn meniscus and ACL. Um, now, the ACL I couldn't find confirmed from then on, but I did see an Associated Press article uh, that said, or, or an AP article said, a release from the school Tuesday stated that a surgery date for the six foot three freshman starter has not been scheduled, but he's expected to be fully healthy when the Gamecocks start offseason workouts next month. January, um, and I saw that his surgery was supposed to be scheduled for this week. So I would assume this is Thursday evening that it has happened today or will be happening tomorrow. Yeah. They usually once they announce these things, surgery is like boom next day. Uh, yeah, because even Tua was in surgery the next day after his injury. Well, I'm pretty pretty sure, especially after that first one, that the sprained ankle. Yeah, a lot of times you get injured at noon, you're in surgery at six o'clock that night. Yep. You know, as soon as they pull you off the field. Um, I mean, I've even seen scenarios where uh, kids get injured in the first quarter and they're in surgery by the fourth quarter. Insane. Yeah, it happens quick, uh, which is good. Um, but what's not good, and what you raised a, an, a brow about, was the fact that all year we, you know, especially after it started, what, Missouri, right? Yep. Holinsky visibly, you know, shaken, not right, limping around. Georgia game, same thing, right, next week. Um, or I guess two weeks later, they had a bye before Georgia. Then as the season progresses, Ryan Holinsky is not who we saw against Alabama, uh, which we talked about on maybe Monday's show, uh, one of the last two shows. It's hard to keep up with the, whether we said it on Monday or last Friday. Um, the week's mixed together. But, we, I mean, we talked about how he wasn't himself after that game, or we don't know who he is yet. I can't say he wasn't himself. But he wasn't who we saw in the Alabama game, that's for sure. Um, and Charleston Southern game, say what you want about that. I mean, I can't, like, I, you, I don't think you can take too much from the Charleston Southern game. Um, that was a practice squad game for him. But why? We'll start with you. What did? What were your overall thoughts on it? Sum up what you were telling me the other day, because I thought you you brought up some interesting points about it. My overall thoughts was, and then I've also heard some different people, so now it's been changed a little bit, but it's crazy that it's like, and obviously Mushin doesn't owe the media an explanation, but it's like the product on the field is off completely. It's like, yo, you should at least somewhat, I'm not going to say, it's hard to say because we don't, we're not required to know, but it definitely would help. Also, we wouldn't be criticizing quite as bad if we know what was going on. With the whole DeCarion Joyner thing, it's crazy for me to think that with this dude having a torn ACL and the meniscus injury, if the ACL is true, that it's like still, and with him hardly being able to walk, that he still, that to carry on still would not be the better option, especially like whenever, he, obviously before the concussion. Um, hmm. There's a lot of to carry on yet. Yeah. And then also, it was just, after reading that, it like clearly it brought like a lot more understanding for me of what was going on. I can't really think about what I said originally, but. Well, we'll go back. We'll, I'll read some of your, your tweets here in a second. But. For me, I thought this is, of of the amount of black clouds hanging over the South Carolina football program right now, this may be the most alarming one. Yeah. You have a freshman quarterback who is starting not because of an injured first stringer, right? Uh, 
and then he looks, you know, his third game out, he he looks injured. Yeah. He played. I get playing through injury for a game. Well, I'll get to that point in a second. And then you lose that game. You get just torched by Missouri. Plays against Georgia. Comes out. South Carolina hangs on a win with Joyner. And then he still doesn't progress the rest of the season. Yeah. Every single game, there were points where we saw Holinsky limping. Or we, you know, obviously didn't see the accuracy that we saw in the first couple games he played in. Um, and the, like, I just, I don't get it, right? Because my big thing is this. If you knew he was injured, why would you play, not only, not why would you play him? I, I, I get, you know, if a guy says he can play through injury and he thinks he can do it and the doctors clear him, let him play. Yeah. That's his decision. And if you were comfortable with it as a coach, let him play. But here's the other thing. You are getting criticized so much as a coach in, in Muschamp from, from day one of this football season. And you knew it was going to be bad this, this football season. Why would you take the chance of your freshman quarterback getting injured? If nothing else, it's an excuse. Take Alinsky off the field and say, look, he's injured. Now you're down to your third-string quarterback yeah. uh, who ended up being injured later. And I guess Yurik would have started the Clemson game. Either way, you, you are now, as a, uh, as a coach who is failing, you have your two top quarterbacks go out with injury and your offense stinks this year because it stunk really bad. All you, I mean, it makes things so much easier for you as a coach. Yeah. Because we can criticize then, but then you can also say, well, they got two quarterbacks injured, you know. It's kind of like, what do we call it, a scapegoat? Is that what yeah, you say? yeah, yeah. It, it gives you the perfect one because, like, okay, both of our starting guys out, so of course we're going to have a bad season. But instead, you kind of just keep eating it. And then, like I said, just continuous lying to the media. I think that's really getting fans upset because, like, we obviously didn't know if Edwards, whoever was going to play. And we're thinking this guy's perfectly fine, and it comes out like it does through the media. And it's like, all right, you can just keep lying to us. I was wondering, would this be enough to get him fired? Uh, you informed me that it wasn't, and clearly that is the case. But it's just kind of, and as you said, which made a very good point, was that it probably hurt you in future situations too. Yeah. As far as if you get another job, it's like, well, this guy really, like, look at what he does. And it just is a, puts a bad look on your program because most fans, the, the actual outcry was before, I think Kalinsky's dad ended up coming on somewhere and explaining that he was okay with it. But it's like, why would you let your player – play with that type of injury and as far as the torn ACL if that is in fact true which I'm not sure because if a torn ACL is like a six to eight month recovery process and they say six to eight weeks so I don't know about that yeah I, I don't think it's torn it may be partially yeah but Deshaun Watson whenever he did it he had a torn ACL he played one game against uh USC after obviously they established he had the injury and they set him for Oklahoma. And that was, although that was just, I cannot think of the exact bowl game. I know it was in Florida. Although it wasn't the best bowl game, it was against Oklahoma, which is obviously a credible opponent. But they figured we'd rather rest him and save him for the rest of his career, which proved to be probably the better uh, decision. I'm glad you brought that up because that's what I saw a lot on, uh, on, on Twitter from some fans of like, well, don't blame the coaches. Clemson played, you know, or not necessarily don't blame the coaches. It was like, point fingers at Clemson. Well, they played Deshaun Watson with a torn ACL, so how bad of a coach does that make Dabo? You you were apples to oranges, two completely different circumstances. Here's the reason. I mean, I think we kind of explained it just now. Is This season was going terribly for South Carolina. There is no reason to play Holinsky. Clemson, on the other hand, is competing for national championships, and when your quarterback says he can play, you trust him to play because you are playing at that high level of competition. You know, and you could use him, right, to, to keep your you, – you have a lot of stuff at risk at Clemson if you play your second-string quarterback. And if your guy tells you he can play and the medical team tells you he can play, you play him. And not to mention, it was Deshaun, like, whenever you saw the on-field performance, he played very well. Like He did. One can say, now, obviously, I was watching a lot of Clemson football at that time, so you could tell, like, some runs he probably would have went after he didn't. But at one point in the game, he dove in for a touchdown. So it was like the product on the field wasn't even affected. Yeah, well, not only if you take the product on the field away from it, you know, I, the difference between these two things is South Carolina has nothing to gain from playing Holinsky. Clemson had everything to gain from keeping Watson on the field. Yeah. They had a lot to lose. 
South Carolina had nothing to lose and nothing to gain. This was a low-risk situation. You sit Holinsky, and all you do is you create more of a legitimate excuse for you being trash this year, the product on the field being absolute garbage. Uh, Clemson, on the other hand, you know, like I, like I just said, they had things to lose. Yeah. They were playing for national championship spots. They were competing at the highest level in the country. It's di- there is a very big difference. I don't know how you can look at the two situations and compare them and point fingers at both coaches and say, okay, well, this coach did it. Uh, well, this coach at South Carolina did it. But look at the Clemson guy. He did it too. You were, you're not even in the same realm as Clemson. You yeah. know, you, you were two different sports almost. Uh, Clemson's playing high-level college football, and you're playing moderate-level Sunbelt football. You know, with losing to Appalachian State, it, it's 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 hard for me to see that connection. Uh, and I wanted to, you know, you talked about, or you asked me the other day. You said, well, "Is this any grounds for for Muschamp to get fired?" I, that's a contract. I don't. I can't imagine. Uh, I imagine his contract protects him from that. Um, you know, I don't. I don't. I can't imagine they even have anything in his contract like that, that would help them uh, say that Muschamp breached his contract and that they don't have to pay him. Um, I, I do think, however, if they did say, hey, if you cover up an injury uh, and it looks really bad, we count and that's a breach of contract, we don't have to pay you anything. I think if that was the case, skirt, there's yeah. your way to get out. He's gone. Um, but he's not, and, and I think his contract probably protects him of something like that. But here was your your thing, and you just kind of said it, but the line to, you said the other night, the line to the general public about health has got to stop. Um, for Mustang to kind of have all these injuries on this team and for dudes to keep playing through them is just kind of crazy. And I, I agree with you a lot, uh, a lot based on the fact that this was a 4-8 and team. And if you have injuries, why are you sending guys out there to keep losing? Yeah, You're losing with them? What? Let them get healthy, lose without them. <laughs> and, then, and then not only do you have a healthier, healthier athlete, you have an excuse. You, yeah. you just build yourself excuses. Right? Muschamp should have been begging for excuses, and he had plenty, <laughs> right? You played one of the toughest schedules in the country, probably number two behind Texas A&M, who played the number one team in the nation five different times this year. Good God. I legitimately think it was five different times. Clemson was number one when they played them. Bama was number one when they played them. LSU was number one when they played them. Uh... Maybe that's in. They, they played a top five Auburn team or top ten Auburn team. They played Georgia, and yeah, they did play. They played a top four Georgia team. Sheesh. So at, at, right now they played seventy five percent of the top four of the college football playoff. Uh, so you have this behind Texas A and M. You probably have the second rated strength of schedule in the country. So there's an excuse, right? And then your your senior quarterback gets hurt. There's a little bit of an excuse, but people were still thought that Ryan Holinsky could have been starting coming into the season. So I don't think that really did a lot to build your excuse case. Yeah. And then if he gets hurt, now you've got some more excuses. Um, and then if on gets hurt, which he did, you're on your fourth quarterback at the end of the season, you've got even more excuses. So he would have – I think the only thing Muschamp could have done was sit him and help himself. But he would – like, how do you not make that call as a coach? I agree with giving the athlete the opportunity to say, hey, coach, if the medical staff clears me – and says I'm okay to play, I want to play. I agree with you giving a kid that option to, to be a man and allow himself to make his own decisions. But at what point do you say, all right, this is an 18-year-old kid who has his entire life ahead of him, and we're not gaining anything by having him on the field this week because we're going to lose? Be honest with yourself about your team and say, you know what, Ryan, you, you're not playing. You're, you're going to save yourself. We're going to redshirt you. You're going to get a medical redshirt because if they take him out after the Georgia game, he played in three Two, three games at that point? Maybe four. Anyway, he could have got retrograde. Um, and you say, Ryan, we're going to sit you and allow you the ability to come back next year, have a complete offseason of workouts, uh, and, and a lot of time to get healthy. And next year, you know, you're our guy. It's, you're our guy. It's go time day one. Yeah. Take this time and get healthy. But instead, you let him make this decision to keep playing and it didn't help you on the field. In fact, I think it hurt you at times because Holinsky, like I said, every single game looked injured. Um, 
it's a good thing that the one thing that really could have went bad here is he lost his confidence. I guess we probably won't know that until next season. But, you know, if you lose your confidence, and then that could be one of the hardest things. Yeah. You're even seeing the it yips. with basketball with Markel Fultz whenever he left uh, the Philadelphia 76ers. Like, he just lost his confidence. Like, you start changing stuff because, like, I just got to get the stuff to work instead of kind of relaying back on your foundation of what you've been doing your whole entire life. But hopefully Helensky seems like has been able to – Maintain the confidence. We'll yeah, see. yeah, hopefully. Um, and, and I think the interesting point is, is uh, in this whole situation is, A, will we ever see, you know, down the road uh, with coaches being held accountable for this kind of thing? Um, if schools find this kind of thing dangerous to athletes, if they're going to write it in contracts to say, hey, if you do this and we think you – could have screwed up this kid's life. We're gonna fire you and not pay you anything to leave. Um, could that be written into contracts to where it protects the school of you know having to pay the amount of money that South Carolina would have to pay if they got rid of Muschamp? Why do you think to interrupt you? Why do you think that other schools don't have the problems with between uh, coaches? They seem to not have the quite as many issues with the coaches lying to the media about injuries. I don't know. It, it's tough. Um, I, I get Muschamp wants to keep all of it in-house. Yeah. I get that. But also, I and maybe it's, you know, he's not a doctor at yeah. the end of the day. And maybe it's a failure on the training staff's part. Um, and we just saw the strength and conditioning coach get fired. So a lot of that's on him. You know, if you're the strength and conditioning coach, injuries included in strength and conditioning, uh, and, and your medical staff – you you got to make smarter decisions, and a lot of that is on them. Uh, I think, you know, as a coach, you can only take so much advice from a medical team because he didn't go to med school. I mean, I don't – he got an MBA from Auburn. I don't know what his undergraduate degree from Georgia was. Uh, but he's, he's not a doctor, so you can't expect him to make medical calls. But I think common sense calls when a doctor tells you, hey, his meniscus is torn, his ACL is partially torn, um, and you – have to wake up, be honest with yourself, and say, hey, we're going to be lucky to go 6-6 six and six this season. Why don't I just take this kid and sit him? I create an excuse for myself, and I keep him healthy. Yeah, because I think too, far too many times the season fans have heard, oh, he's good to go. Oh, he'll be ready to go. Come, Oh, for sure. And then it's like, you're, it's like, you're right. But yeah, so. But that, that's all I have to say about him. Yeah, I, I don't know why he does that. Maybe he wants to keep it in-house. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, I go back and forth on it because you cannot say, you know, he, he doesn't know everything about injuries. Like, he's not a doctor. But I think maybe the interesting point is if we see this at other schools, will this kind of thing be something that coaches are going to be held accountable for in the future? And I think yes. If this happens more and more and more, I think yes. This may be a unique situation. I hope it is. I don't want, you know, uh, things like this to happen where it looks suspicious. Um, I'm not saying Muschamp's guilty of anything, but it doesn't look good. It's a black eye for your program, no doubt. Um and at the end of the day, it was it was a little bit of Holinsky's decision, but you you have to also realize he is 18. You give him a lot of you give him a lot of freedom to make his own decision, but this is he's still a kid. So yeah. um, it, it was just a, another never a dull moment here in Columbia for sure. Um, also, why if Holinsky's like the slightest bit injured, and let's say like he injured his knee during that Georgia game, right? Yeah. And to carry on leads you to a, a W. Why not just stick him in? Yeah, I think, yeah, right? that's kind of what Matthew was pointing yeah, out earlier. Yeah, I think. like give him a chance. That's know? what I was thinking. And especially, I don't know, maybe it was just a Texas A&M game, but when I saw he played in Texas A&M, it looked like this dude could have been playing more. Yeah. And so it made me, and then fans were kind of calling for him. Obviously, much had to listen to fans, but no. I'm sure people on the inside. No, he shouldn't were, either. No. Yeah, yeah, but I'm sure people on the inside are like, hey, this, this is our guy, but I don't know. I'm sure he has some reason as to why. It's yeah, just, it's just I, interesting. yeah I'd have to agree with you on that. I like The, the reason I... Um, I think I said this last show, is I, I push back on the idea of on playing um, because I don't think this offense, I don't think it's in Dakarion's best interest to be here at the University of South Carolina. Because what I was saying you know, last week with this offense is never going to change for him, um, and I don't think they have the full confidence in him to run the offense. Like He's not the quarterback that they want, but they still want him. Is it... You know, so no one else can get him. I don't know. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a way I, to look be. at it right there. Uh, but I, I, I really hope 
to carry on, find somewhere that he's comfortable because I don't I don't see him staying here. Um, so you think he leaves after this semester? If you guess. Yeah, I would think so. Uh, also, Bentley, we still haven't got any updates from Bentley. Uh, People and, are predicting that he might be heading to Utah. I don't know what the ramifications or whatever okay. is about that. But All right, so that. yeah, I've heard Pac-12. Um, I've heard he's he's got a final three in in the Pac-12. Is there are two schools in the Pac-12? Which schools I don't know. Um, but and I was actually we were supposed to have a buddy of mine who's writing a piece in on Holinsky yeah. or not Holinsky. Uh, Bentley. Bentley today, and he double booked himself, so we'll get him on. We'll get him on again soon, but or for the first time soon. So yeah, and we've talked about it a little bit this week with him, and it'll be interesting to see where Bentley goes, and that's something we'll follow over the next you know little while to see what Jake Bentley does. Um, I'm also interested to see where Jemias goes too. Yeah, I, yeah, I forget about Jemias. Brendan brought that up the other night. We were sitting around watching a game, and. Uh, it happened so long ago. Yeah, know? it's all it's weird because you rarely have like a four star player enter the portal in the middle of the season like yes. that, and that that was getting you know play time or whatnot. But I don't know. What's I think you is. even count him better better than a four star, right? Because you've seen what he can do. Yeah, uh, his freshman, freshman year is all ACC, yeah, so yeah. All or SEC. all SEC. Excuse me, um, and uh, which remind me to bring up all ACC again here in a second. Uh, it, it's, it was just, you know what he can do and you've seen his ability. So I think he's even more experienced. This is a guy you'd probably go after more. I was a coach. I would be going after transfer portals more than I'm going after high school athletes because you've already seen a little bit of what these guys can do who knew they can compete with. Jemias has proven he has SEC level talent. So we'll see. All right. We'll jo- hop off of South Carolina. I'm glad you said that all that ACC thing. Cause that just reminded me of something before we get into the championship games. I want to just mention this real quick. The the S- ACC, 16 Clemson players listed to all all ACC team. That's this ridiculous. That is, is absurd. That is the most, I don't know, like as far as like I'm sure in a football facility they have like a space for all ACC. Yeah, it's about to fill up real quick. Yes, yeah, it's insane. It's like a fourth of the team. Yeah, it's, I mean, <laughs> who is, uh, uh, the ACC is probably correct in choosing this, like, who would you take first in each position? Just take Clemson's first team, like, both sides. Like, the rest of your teams are garbage, and Clemson could be the best team in the nation. Why would you not take all their players? I thought it was just hilarious that they actually, like, took all of them. Yeah. But I bet if you go player by player, like, the second best player is not even close. I bet the first strings on a lot of teams in the ACC, on probably all other 13 teams, with the exception of a few guys, would be third string at Clemson. So... Tell you something about Clemson. Like one thing that's so big with Dabo, you see this all at like Alabama schools like that too. The practice field at Clemson is so freaking competitive because it's like Clemson is like one of these schools at this point they've really established that Paul brand. Absolutely, they kind of go around the country and they get whoever they want. Like they'll take the. They're recruiting California very well right now. Yeah, exactly. Going in and guys are like, "Hey, can we come to Clemson?" And Dabo's like, "Well, sure." And he obviously talks whoever he needs to. And so you get to those practice fields like Clemson. I know for a fact have three star uh, guys who are walk ons. Yeah, Clemson. Three-star athletes yeah. who are walk-on, if like from the state of Georgia. Yeah. So it's like the if for you to make it to the playing field at Clemson, you probably already seen your best competition in practice. Absolutely. So by the time you get to the game, it's I mean I'm not saying it's easy, but you see, and they also get the, I think they were a top. They well, were the it number seems one to be easy or number them. two as far as getting players in the game. The the amount like they get like around like 85 guys. And yeah, I don't like that stat. I'll tell you why because right. that proves to the level of competition you're playing. Yeah. Um, if Alabama's in the ACC, they're probably playing 150 guys a game too. Yeah. So I, I don't the idea that we should be celebrating them getting everyone in a game. I, I don't I don't like that. If you're good enough to play, you're good enough to play. I'm not. I've never been a, the kind of person outside of little league try to get all you know nine year olds to play right. baseball because uh, they probably paid to play baseball. Um, but when you get to college, it's best player plays. Right. And if you're not good enough to play, you're not good enough to play. Get better or go somewhere else. Right, and but I, I just don't like I don't like the bragging of like oh we got all these guys to play. Um, I think it. Well, I'm not gonna say I don't like the bragging. I think it says more about your competition than it does your team. Probably so. I'd agree. But what happens though, well, as far as depth is like when guys get hurt, the other guys have already played in the game. That's true. So yeah, it, like, it helps them for sure. Yeah. So like whenever they get to the playoff, or whatever, somebody may be hurt, you could bring them in because he's played in six games this season. 
probably is also they probably have to work with that whole redshirt rule a lot too because it's like you, you want to play them but obviously you want to redshirt them if they yeah. only need to play in three games. But uh, yeah, that's enough of kissing Clemson's ass for now. Um, <laughs> SEC championship: Georgia at LSU, Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, Saturday, four o'clock. Brad Nessler, Gary Danielson, who's been taking a lot of heat online lately. Uh, good old Gary. Um, I like Gary. So, you know what? All these other people can go not watch SEC football. If you have a problem with anything SEC-related, do you, like, I don't, we don't care. I don't like, I hate when certain groups of SEC fans try to say, like, oh, we don't want to be part of the way people look at Paul Feinbaum and, and the people that call into his show. Yes, you do. That show perfectly encaptures SEC football. You are all crazy. You are absolutely nuts if you're an SEC football fan. All of you are insane. And instead of <laughs> instead of complaining about it and worrying about the way the rest of the country looks at you, say, yeah, we will. We are the best fans. And if you put our school against your school on Saturday, our school is going to beat the hell out of yours. And our fans will probably beat the hell out of you in the parking lot. Yeah. Um, and if nothing else, drink you under the table. But, yeah, I... I I don't know. I, I, I like the SEC homerism from the SEC fans, and I don't like when people kind of go after that. You know what? This is where football matters. Anyway, Georgia-LSU. LSU, seven-point favorite. These two teams have played each other uh, three times in the SEC championship game. 2003, LSU 34, Georgia 13. 05, Georgia 34, LSU 14. And most recently in 2011, LSU won 42-10. Um, DeAndre Swift, there was talk of him being injured and out this game, but Kirby said the other day, Kirby Smart, uh, he's banged up, it's tough, but he's a warrior, he's a fighter, and we expect him to be able to go. So hopefully, we get unless you're LSU, you probably don't want him to go. Hopefully, we get to see DeAndre Swift on Saturday. Um, the best they, the best athlete on Georgia's team, no doubt. Best and, player on Georgia's team. And then they also have the receiver, Pickens, who will be out for the first half, correct? Yeah, 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 because he got in a fight with... Uh, you retweeted that, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, if you haven't seen the fight. This, this little skirmish that happened in the Georgia-Georgia Tech game where, uh, what's his name? A Pickens. I can't think of his first name. Okay. I'll, I'll All right. Uh, George, George Pickens. George Pickens. How could I not think of that? Yeah, George uh, Pickens. That is the most bland name. Of, that sounds, he sounds like just a white tight end. Yeah. With a George, I mean, maybe that's just because I'm thinking about Kittle and making that relic, uh, connection, but... George is an old guy named. Uh, always, anyway, I always say that too. He didn't you? look like an old guy fighting that guy. To grab the Georgia Tech defender by the face mask and just threw him into the like wall. Backed him up. Backed. It looked like he looked back for a second and be like, "Okay, all right, we're almost there." And just <laughs> throws him in. Yeah, that was that was pretty funny. Uh, Love the hatred there in the rivalry game. I like some skirmishes in the rivalry game. That's what should happen. You should get a little pissed off. Clean old fashioned hate. Yeah, throw a guy into a wall. Uh, but DeAndre will be playing Saturday. Um. This is, it. I don't know what to think of this. I, I've been trying to make sense of Georgia all year. I was high on them early. I've been low on them late. I don't know what to think about them. I, I'm also LSU. I feel like I'm living a fantasy watching them go undefeated. Yeah. They're incredible. But is their defense going to hurt them? And I, I want to say it is. But at the same time, their defense has been able in their closer games to get the one stop or two that they need to allow Joe Burrow to go throw another touchdown. And that's all you really need, but that formula cannot fail. And now with the other thing I want to point out about this game, this will be the best defense Georgia, or LSU has played all year. By the way, they're, uh, I was looking it up. Their pass defense is even ranked number 15th in the country. Yeah. It, it, they're, they're maybe the, you know, they're in, like, top five in scoring defense in total yards. Georgia is yeah. best defense in the in the country, I think. Um, definitely up there. Clemson's probably close, and, uh, and that's probably it. But when LSU played at Auburn earlier this year, they, on Florida's defense, LSU was able to score 42 points on but Auburn, they scored, what, 24, something like that? It was in the 20s. Are they going to be able to keep doing what they have been doing to teams? A&M's defense is middle of the road in the SEC. They put up 50. Uh, but when you look at the Auburn game at home, and they were only scored 25 points, if 
they're playing a better defense this week. They they better come with their offensive line better be ready to go. Uh, for all like I do believe Joe Burrow is is going to be he is the closest thing he's playing as close to a pro pro quarterback as you can right now with the way he's reading defenses and the way he's getting rid of the ball in time and the way he's been able to pick up defensive schemes all year. Um. But is he going to be able to do that against this Georgia defense? I think so. Yeah. But this game is going to answer a lot of questions about both teams. A, can Georgia's offense actually be something? Because they, they haven't been much all year. When they need them to. Yeah. Exactly. Can Can Fromm be clutch? You know, he, he's he hasn't been this year. He hasn't been like clutch. Look and say he's been too chill. Like usually, Jerome's a chill guy. Like he's been too chill this season. He's like, all right, big fella, let's get going. Yeah, that's what I feel like. Georgia's kind of stalled all year in in offense, and they have so many playmakers. I don't know how they haven't taken off. Um, we'll we'll see. And and is LSU? I think the biggest you're looking right now is the biggest matchup is whenever LSU's offense is on the field. Can that defense hold them? And I think Georgia can win. If if they hold LSU under twenty six points, I think Georgia will win. Okay. But if LSU scores more than twenty six points, I think LSU's gonna win by two touchdowns. I don't think Georgia's offense can go tit for tat with LSU's. What, I don't I don't think they have the firepower. One thing I've been thinking of is Kirby Smart was the defense coordinator at Alabama for so long before he got yes. the job. Yeah, so Kirby Smart is a defensive minded head coach, obviously. Obviously, Joe Burrow and their offensive staff has, has done a great job this season. I think they're going to try to give that. I think they have a passing game coordinator, if I'm not saying, and offense coordinator. But, you know, some teams are getting run game coordinators and pass game coordinators. Yeah. Well, I think they're going to try to give him some money to make sure he stays. I'm sure it's teams will be calling for him. But it's going to be like a chess match. Brady, Joe, Joe Brady. Yeah. But it's going to be like a chess match between Kirby Smart, like him making the calls and Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow reading them and making sure that he can get in and out of uh, whatever he needs to to uh, make the plays work. I don't really think – I even think if – okay, okay, how can I put this? I don't think that Georgia – I don't think this game is uh, within 14 points of – uh, Really? Mm-mm. I don't okay. think so. I just feel like LSU is going keep to the, keep the thing growing. And the thing that's so nice about them, they've been battle-tested okay. in a lot of games. They are. Georgia so, has too. Yeah, they have. But it's like at this point, it's like Joe Burrow kind of feels like I'm sure he's fully confident. Like I can do this against whoever comes against me. Okay. But if there is going to be a defensive coordinator or I guess a head coach or a defensive team that would be able to stop them, it would be uh, Georgia. Okay. So your pick? Yeah, I'm picking LSU. LSU. I'm picking by more by 14 at least. Okay. All right. So instead of doing my picks of the week this week, I'm just going to clue them as we go through the championship games, since there's only five games and or five power conference games. All right, and we got the AAC championship on the docket here to get through today. Um, you know, I'll make a pick on that one, but I'm taking LSU minus seven. I I think this game is going to be within 10 points. But I think LSU is going to win by the touchdown. Um, the environment is going to be great. Probably all the Georgia red in the building, and obviously it's going to be. Job. It's going to be interesting to see how much LSU fans, LSU great, great fan base. Yeah. But how much can they control Atlanta? Because this is basically a home game for Georgia. Um, just the pure convenience of, for Georgia fans just to buy a ticket. It'll be interesting to see how full it is. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking. I'm thinking right now it'll be 65, 35 Georgia fans, but LSU fans would not surprise me if they somehow outnumbered the Georgia fans. Yep. Um, all right. Either way, it'll be a great turnout for both sides. Two good fan bases. Pac-12 championship Friday. Utah at Oregon, or they're not at Oregon. Oregon's the ad is Oregon is the home team this year, quote unquote. Uh, at Levi's Stadium in Santa Clara in the 49ers Stadium, Utah is a six and a half point favorite. Interesting. Utah is the is what makes this game interesting, right? Oregon yep. Oregon kicked themselves out of the college football playoff uh, two weeks ago when they lost to Arizona State. However long it's been, two three weeks. Two weeks. Um, and they're done, but they can play spoiler to Utah. I oh I put this Utah so Utah is currently fifth in the college football playoff. I put this in. I'm kind of I'm I was neck and neck with Joel Klatt on the on the beginning of the season we were seeing eye to eye and he's just been going off about Utah for the last three four weeks and I've had enough of it and I don't I do not think I will never believe that Utah is going to beat 
an LSU or a Clemson or an Ohio State. I don't think they have the firepower to do it. Uh, it's, that's a little East Coast, like down South college football bias. But I, I do not think that the Pac-12 can build teams like these other schools can. Yeah. Uh, and we saw that. I mean, Oregon lost first game of the year to a mediocre SEC West team. And Auburn, at that point, Bo Nix, like, he was a freshman. Right, but you let's know, say above-average SEC team. Yeah, you know, usually they say, like, okay, he's a freshman, but throughout the season he becomes, like, a sophomore. But at that point he was, like, a freshman, freshman Bo Nix was. Yeah. And so it wasn't even, like, a con, like, you know what I'm saying, like a season. Uh, yeah, and with Oregon, with a quarterback who's supposed to be, you know, at that time was looking Heisman to be, candidate. like, Heisman, number one pick in the draft kind yeah. of quarterback. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. I, I just I don't I don't know, but uh, we won't spend too much time on this game. Oregon Oregon's offensive has shown signs of weakness in this season. Like we just kind of talking about the Auburn. There's a bunch of games that they've scored less than thirty points in, and they're gonna have to score a lot. I think they're gonna have to come out firing to beat Utah because Utah's defense is no joke. Yeah, Utah leads the nation in run defense currently. They have a lot of those big 330-pound uh, defensive tackles. A lot of There are a lot of NFL talent on that Utah defense as well. Uh, you're exactly right. Who are you taking? I'm going to go ahead and take Oregon. You are? All right, I'm taking Oregon plus 6.5. So um, I got Oregon plus 6.5. That is Friday. Today, as you're listening to this, at 8 p.m. on ABC. I love, love, thank you, Pac-12. You screw up so many things. The Pac-12 yeah. is such they're just a bunch of dummies but your tv scheduling you could not make it better you have a 10 o'clock game for me which east coast teams can't do the 10 o'clock game you do that on saturday night but you have given me friday games all year and you give me a friday championship and i love that it is important. It has uh, ramifications or whatever on the playoff potentially. Yes. Also, one thing I wanted to throw in, Tyler Hintley, who is the Utah's quarterback, yep. is becoming pretty efficient. He is averaging over 11 yards I think he's per top, pass. Top eight in Heisman, a lot of top Heisman watch us right now. Yeah, top five like, even. And most people don't even know about him. He nope. has uh, 16 touchdowns and two picks, so that's pretty good. And he's uh, last month completing over 82% of his throws in the, oh yeah, in the last two games. So he's had a pretty good offense performance this year. All right, we'll move on to the Big 12. Uh, I think, depending on what happens tonight, as you're listening to this Friday night, this could be the most fun one to watch. Baylor um, and Oklahoma and AT&T Stadium in Dallas for the Big 12 championship. Uh, I like the Big 12 championship trophy. It's just that big glass bowl yeah. they've had forever. I don't, I don't know why I like it. I just like it. Uh, Oklahoma's nine-point favorite. And as you remember, you know, about a month ago, Baylor, 31-point lead at halftime. It was like 31 nothing or something. I don't know, something crazy. And they blew it. Uh, but, yeah, this one I think is the most interesting because if Utah loses Friday, which I'm predicting that they will, um, this becomes a college football quarter quarterfinal, basically. Georgia would have to lose, too, because I think if Georgia wins, then the top four right now stays four. You just mix up the seeds. So if Georgia loses, which I think will happen, and if Utah loses, which I also think will happen, um, this becomes a quarterfinal. And I hope those two things happen to where this does become a quarterfinal. Now, obviously, it's played before the SEC championship, so we won't know until after. But this could be a really fun game, and I, I want to see Jalen Hurts in the in the Final Four, but in the in the um, college football playoff. But at the same time, I want, I want uh, Baylor in. Okay. Matt Rule has done a, a tremendous job at Baylor this year, and they really crush it. And they screwed up their one chance to prove their worth, and they are given being given another chance. And I think if they could prove it, it would be fun to have them in, so they can get crushed by LSU or Ohio State or Clemson, whoever they play in the first round. And we don't have to see the Big Twelve in, in the college football playoff for the next three or four years and we can <laughs> take two big two um sec teams or two big ten teams and clemson and just keep doing that so do you think baylor and mess around and get the win uh i so i'm picking baylor plus nine yeah so we got nine points to play with here i, I don't know why oklahoma's a nine point favorite that seems a little large to me considering their last game and how baylor had them beat and they just could defeated. not finish yeah exactly 
So I think that will drive Baylor to make it a very close game, whether or not they beat Oklahoma. I mean, I know you're you're gonna make you're gonna pick Jalen Hurts. I already know. Oh, you already know it's. Coming. I already know. So I guess for the sake of argument, I'll pick Baylor. Uh, I just I don't know. I, it's gonna be a fun one to watch. I'm taking Baylor plus the points. So Baylor plus nine. If you're if you're betting this week, take Baylor plus nine. I think that's the safest bet. Um, I could see. Oh, go ahead. But here's what no, you go ahead, because I want to bring up a different point about the pick twelve. It's like I could see how Matt Rule is head coach for uh, Baylor. Baylor, how he's thinking like there is no better motivation for your team. Cause like I feel I feel like you're, Yeah, is, you're exactly right. Like there's no better motivation. We lost to them originally, even though we should have beat them. So that shows that we you know, coaches thought we were the better team. It's just we couldn't get the win. But it's like now we can beat them and then potentially head to the playoff, which is look, two years ago they barely won a game. Yeah, look, so, dude, not only that, all right, right? I, I want to say this too. If they beat Oklahoma, a top ten team, there's still going to be a good argument that they should get in over Utah yeah. because Utah will have beaten Oregon, who has lost to Arizona State and Auburn, um, who are both. I mean, Arizona State bad, Auburn above average, you know, but Utah won't have any good wins like Baylor will if they beat Oklahoma. So. There's still going to be a debate there whether Baylor should get in over Utah no matter what happens in the Pac-12 championship game Friday. So you were setting yourself up. It could not line up more perfectly for Baylor, right? You need Georgia to lose. You need a little help there. But that's not out of the realm of possibilities because they're playing the number one team in the nation or the number two team, I guess. But in my mind, the number one team in the nation. This This works so perfectly for motivation, what you were just saying, because, right, you're not out of it. Yeah. That's your first point to you guys, right? We we are not out of this thing. We have a legitimate shot. If we go beat the hell out of Oklahoma, we can get in. Number two, so you're playing for a lot there, you know? Number two, um, what you just said, guys, we had them beat a month ago, and we screwed it up. So we are going to game plan and prepare our butts off to make sure we win in, we go in and we win and we finish this game. Because I know we can do it because we've already proved it to ourselves. Yeah, 100%. I know that Oklahoma defense will hopefully come ready to play 44. I can't think of his name right now, but I think I want to say it's Bradley. He was a highly touted cornerback. Him and I'm pretty sure they'll have the – my computer went out here. But they'll have the the big 12 defensive player of the year. He'll be a middle linebacker. Hopefully they'll be amped up and ready to go. But, yeah, I'm definitely going – I'm taking the complete fan approach here. I, I know. Jaylen, I want Jalen Hurts. I want to see him back in the playoff. All right, so like I said, my pick is Baylor plus nine, noon on ABC. Uh, another quick point I want to spend, we'll spend a minute or two on this. Uh, it's weird to me that the Big 12 only has nine teams and they aren't actively like trying to get more teams in. I know we brought up earlier in the season, I can't remember if we were talking off air or not. Uh, why aren't you trying to get Houston in? You have a lot of money in Houston, and Houston could be a legit. I think if you elevate Houston by putting them in the Big 12. Yeah. I think a lot of kids are choosing to not go to Houston and to go to Baylor or Oklahoma or Texas or Texas A&M because of the conferences they're in. Yep. Uh, you elevate Houston football a lot by putting them in the Big 12. SMU, SMU's good for another couple of years. Try to get them in. Boise State, they should go after right now. Boise State's been a consistent group of five. They For years, years and years, we've heard about Boise State. And they made the move to the Mountain West five, six years ago, maybe longer than that, whenever TCU joined the the Big 12, and they've still continued to prove their worth. I, I think these are teams you need to make your conference more people because seeing the rematch is a little weird for the championship game. Yeah, it's um, year in a row too. Yeah, and it's going to happen every year because every Big 12 team plays every Big 12 team, so it'll always be a rematch as it is right now. I think they need to actively pursue more teams um, yeah, because they were even and make able, it more interesting. Because they were even Houston was even able to get Ed Oliver, who at that time was a one of the top uh, yeah. recruits, and they were able to get him out of this city of Houston. Cause I think he's from right around the area anyway. So it's like definitely if they bring him in the Big Twelve, they'll be able, and that would also t- get them that whole which they probably already have the state, uh, the city of Houston, but it'd be help them out in recruiting. Yeah, yeah, it would help them out versus the uh, A and M, you know, in the SEC, steal some recruits back to the to the yeah. Big Twelve. I think. Um, all right, quickly, we'll do this one. ACC Championship, Virginia and Clemson and Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte. Uh, Clemson, 28.5-point favorite. Uh, my biggest points about this game is that football in Charlotte, I hate watching college football in Charlotte. Why? 
I the blue seats I hate. They suck. They're oh. always empty, and a little bit of that is because it's the ACC championship, and you basically like if you're a Virginia fan, why why are you going to this game really? Unless you live in Charlotte, um, because you're gonna get smacked. Clemson fans will show out. Uh, to, to our probably, maybe. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm sure there's plenty of Clemson fans who live in Charlotte and the surrounding area. But even if you're a Clemson fan at this point, you're like, all right, well, we're playing Virginia. I guess I can get tickets for the only reason you're going. Tickets are like 35 bucks right now. Meanwhile, in Atlanta, tickets are the cheapest ticket I saw today for the SC Championship game, 191 dollars. So I can bet at game time you'd be able to get a ticket for 10 bucks in the top in the top deck at Bank of America in Charlotte Saturday. Um, at this point, it's almost like a regular season game for Clemson. Yeah, pretty uh, much. It's like, okay, yep, y'all know AC championship. Let's go get the tickets for that one. Yeah, and even before they were competing college football playoff championships, they were been in the AC championship, I don't know, like 20. Ever since Taj Boyd, really. Like, ever since his second uh, Yeah, yeah, a lot. Uh, so I, I, did, I don't like watching. The seats suck, and there's always so many empty seats. I think maybe it's in a weird place for colleges because even when South Carolina plays North Carolina there, they cannot fill it up. Um I, I don't I don't know I, I just don't like I, but the ACC there's no real good place to put it unless you take it up to uh, for Virginia or play or in DC and play in FedEx Field um, that that could work but also your teams in the North and in the ACC usually never never win they, they, um, they we haven't had a good team since Matt Ryan up up north. Yeah, they moved it one year that game to Florida. I actually yeah, that was it, that, that camping World Stadium. Yeah, because Orlando. the only. You have Miami and Florida State, but that's so far down. It's like that's Atlanta. even far from those two schools. Yeah, exactly. So it wasn't the best. It was a nice environment. Though. Yeah, I, I, it's tough for the ACC because they stretch literally from Miami, like you know, one of the southernmost points in the U.S., up to Boston. That is just God, dog, that crazy. Is that's like a twenty-five hour drive. I think that's just crazy. Uh, so the game will suck. Um, it was funny to see Paul Feinbaum go after Dabo this week. And then it is kind of funny to hear Dabo keep saying that, oh, we don't listen to the media, you know, we block y'all out. But then every week Dabo talks about what the media says about his team. Uh, I think you're sending a mixed mixed message to your team, and you, you look dumb. I, I've said this multiple times. Dabo just needs to shut up. <laughs> shut up. You do a great job on the football field. Your press conferences need to be taken from 25 minutes to 35 seconds. Shut up. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Dabo, actually, he's one of the more, how do they, what do they call pastors, like long-spoken, long-winded. He is. Yeah, he is definitely one of the more long-winded. Like his, like the intro to this uh, press conference, used to be like 20 minutes. Like, God, dog, Dabo. Got a lot to say. Yeah, uh, versus here in Columbia, you're lucky to get 10 words out of Wolfhouse <laughs> Champ. Um, <laughs> I, I was at one earlier this year, dude, and we walked in, and every answer was like, and he's like 20 minutes top and there must have been 30 media people in the room who were just constantly asking him questions answered all of them was out in 20 minutes and he was like all right we done and we were like uh, yeah and <laughs> you hear the SID go any more questions for coach nope see you thanks guys it's out as quick as you get I, I I feel like Dabo likes to talk to the media so he can complain about things that he shouldn't complain about because he probably has the best team in the country no matter what your ranking is you're in no matter what it doesn't really matter where you are um but yeah, he, he needs to he needs to shut up because he only does things to hurt himself, I think. I think sometimes he goes a little too far when he talks about college athletes getting paid and stuff like that. We've, we've heard those things. He sh- needs to learn how to plead the fifth on a lot of things, um, and I think it'll help him out. So maybe coach him up in the PR department there at Clemson. My pick, you're taking Clemson, obviously. Yeah, probably about 21 okay. maybe. Yeah, I'm taking Clemson minus 28.5. I think they'll win by 29. 7.30 on ABC. Why is this game – this game baffles me, right? If you're ESPN, you have the rights to the uh, the Big 12 championship and the ACC championship. You should be playing the Big 12 championship at night versus the ACC championship. I guess the only reason is so you know no one's going to watch the ACC championship and you don't want to have to compete with the Big 10 championship, which is also happening at night, 8 p.m. on Fox. Uh, so maybe that's the reasoning. But if you're ESPN, you should be putting that Big 12 championship – down at night instead of this ACC, you know, crapshoot game, um, which is where we're going next to the Big Ten, Indianapolis, Indiana, Lucas Oil Stadium, Ohio State out at Wisconsin or Wisconsin playing home team this week. Ohio State is a 16.5-point 16 favorite. We'll roll through this one quickly. Uh, I'm giving Wisconsin zero chance. Yeah. Zero chance. Also, I do think even if Wisconsin were to win, 
Ohio State would still get in the college football playoff. Yeah. I, I think you're saying the same things with LSU right now. Georgia Georgia wins, LSU's in. doesn't matter. LSU's good. They're in. If Wisconsin wins, I, I still think, who are you going to take over Ohio State? Yeah, that's that's the that's team people want to see. The only thing that You're going to take think, one loss Utah over Ohio State, one loss Ohio State? You lose so many viewers for that anyway. So, yeah, they're, they're not going to touch with Ohio State. They're, I, they're I, pretty I, much secure. Yeah. Uh, also, go also uh, Wisconsin. Knocking everything Wisconsin over. Wisconsin had five sacks against uh, Justin Fields in the first matchup. So I think one thing they can do is kind of. Uh, Chase Young also had like five sacks that game, too. Yeah, yeah, he did. So I think what they could kind of like. They could potentially hit them enough to maybe help the next team that will play, face Ohio State in the playoff. But at the same time, there's a long time before the, this game and the college football playoff. So I think their only, their only hope here is just to get a lot of pressure on them like they did last time. But at the same time, I'm sure Ohio State's offense line is scheming for that. So, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, interesting, quickly, Heisman things to watch this weekend. Joe Burrow's already won it. Um, he'll be fun to watch this weekend if he can put a stamp on it. Another stamp on it. He's put, like, ten stamps on it. Um, J.K. Dobbins is absolutely the best player on Ohio State's team. Chase Young, he didn't have a great game against Michigan. Um, and he wasn't doubled a lot. And I went back and watched a lot of the the reviews and stuff of that game or replays um, this week, and he, it wasn't he wasn't doubled a whole lot, and he still didn't make a big performance. And is defender like it's sad to say, but as a defender, like you you need like three sacks a game to win the Heisman. Yeah. Um, which which crazy enough, he was like close to. So he was like over two at one point, two sacks a game. Um, yeah, Chase Young's out of it. Justin Fields, in my mind, is his Penn State game played him out of it. J.K. is the way to go. If there's a guy in New York from Ohio State, it needs to be J.K. Dobbins because he's been going off all year, and he's been consistent every game. He's been fantastic. He has 250 carries for 1,657 yards, 19 touchdowns, and averages 6.6 yards per carry. Yeah, I think he had 200 yards in the Michigan game, which is nuts. Yeah. All right, we'll do this one quick as well. Uh, American... Athletic Conference. This is going to be way more entertaining than the ACC Conference Championship. And if you're the ACC, you should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> Kick out some of your crappy football or football schools. Like, I don't know, Boston College. They're not even good at basketball anymore. Uh, bring in Cincinnati or a Memphis uh, who will work with what you have going on there. Both of, the, you know, both of those teams have good basketball programs too. Uh, the ACC is turned into... Uh, more of a basketball conference, which I guess they've pretty much always been like that. More of a basketball conference than a football conference. Even more so than now. But these two teams are competitive at football, and I would much rather see Clemson play Cincinnati or Memphis this week because they stand way more of a chance of beating Clemson than uh, Virginia does. Ranked matchup, I think it's 17 versus 18 or 18 versus 19, something like that. Um, yeah, 17 versus 20. The way the the thing to look at in this game, it'll be a really entertaining game. Uh, I didn't write down what it is, but you can find it. You you got you you got a computer. You're listening on your phone, so pull it up. <laughs> um, Mike Norvell, Memphis head coach, has been rumored to go about everywhere, and I haven't heard it a lot. But we should be talking about Luke Fickle just as much. Here's a guy who went to Ohio or coach at Ohio State under Urban Meyer had has had great success at Cincinnati. Let's get. If you're Arkansas, why aren't you looking? I would want Luke Fickle. I mean, I'm looking at him. Also, Norvell, like, they've tried to do uh, – I, mean, I know for a fact they're looking at Norvell too. But Luke Fickle's name should be out there more. We're not hearing it a lot. I don't know why that is, but maybe we'll see it more going forward. Um, maybe he stays at Cincinnati one more year and gets a bigger job. But I think this is going to be a really good coach you've got there in Cincinnati and Luke Fickle. Um, so I would look out for him in the next couple of years. You sent me this earlier, Mike Leach, while we're on coaching talk. Mike Leach signed an extension with Washington State today. So that pretty much wraps up that the Mike Leach talk for this offseason. Yeah. Good move by Washington State. Yeah, go ahead and secure the future. Um, also, I, I mean, I'll bring this up again. I know I've said it multiple times this year. I, I don't get the, the we want Mike Leach talk so much. Everyone's trying to get Mike Leach. And I think it's just the social – and I say that because I see it on Twitter – I think it's just the Twitter crowd because they see all these clips and stuff of Mike Leach. Do you watch his teams on Saturday? Because he had a 6-6 six and six football team this year who struggled to score in an air raid offense, struggled to score 20 points a couple of times. 
Like, that's red, red flag city. Uh, <laughs> could not get a de- fired as defensive coordinator. Or defensive coordinator stepped down. I don't Defensive coordinator is not there anymore. He stepped down midseason. Um, can't, like, just doesn't have a good team right now. And I love Mike Leach as much as the next guy, but... I'm I'm not trying to get Mike Leach for my team right now. I, I I just don't see that. Yeah, he has magic in a bottle every now and then. One really good year at Texas Tech um, probably ruined a Texas championship, national championship that year. Uh, but yeah, he like he and he had a like a good year at Washington State, but like last year. But he's not a consistently good coach. I would much rather have a Luke Fickle or Mike Norvell right now who have proven they can do a lot with small schools and give them an opportunity versus Mike Leach, where I think you're probably going to get a consistent, like, 7-5 and five and every now and then 10-2. and two. Yeah, and then 8-4. and four. So Yeah, I agree with you. I think what's kind of becoming one of these things is, like, you keep seeing his name, so he must be a great coach. And then you hear, you see a lot of his comments and stuff, and like, oh, I like that guy. That's, that's exactly what a fan would say. His team is uninspired, and this, that, and the third. And so then people sit, put those two together and say, oh, we want him. Yeah, he could fit for our university. But like you said, if you actually do the research there, it's like, yeah, maybe there are some red flags. So I, I agree with you on that one for sure. And also I think it's the fact that people haven't really seen him in the South as much quite as they've seen him. Not in a while. Yeah. Not in a long time. They haven't time. really seen him. Because like, uh, like for me, for example, I, didn't like, I think of Mike Leach, I have to always think of like Texas and stuff. Or more out west. west so it's like west. maybe we can try him here. Yeah, because even Texas Tech, like, when Texas Tech was good, I mean, they were really good. Yeah. Those teams were really, really good and Asu, really fun Crab to watch. Tree are the ones I think yeah, Michael good. Crabtree. Um, but Texas Tech has never gotten a lot of screen time, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and they did that year, those couple years, just because, you know, they were that good. But since then, when's the last time you watched a Texas Tech game? They're not a huge school, right? right. Um, and Washington State, same way. I mean, two weeks ago they were playing on the Pac-12 network, and I had to download an app on my phone to watch the game. <laughs> uh, so, well, you know, he he's hasn't he's never been in a huge school. He was at Kentucky as an assistant. Um, yeah, yeah. So, for example, I didn't even really recognize. That. Yeah, that was back in the day. That was, I mean, he was coaching against Spurrier's offenses. So, well, Spurrier, Florida. Florida Spurrier, not South Carolina Spurrier. But, yeah, I mean, before you go screaming for Mike Leach, I I mean, I love the guy, but do some, do some, do your research. And, yeah, maybe if you're Arkansas, you take that chance because you need something crazy to work there because you suck. Um, and if you get, like, Mike Leach, at least you get to laugh on Tuesdays when he has his breakfast conference or Monday, whatever day he wants to do it. But... Yeah, I, I don't see you him really pulling a program out of the gutter like Arkansas or Ole Miss. Um, speaking of, my dad freaked me out today, and I I'm I'm writing the rundown for the show. I get a text from my dad, who, um, since his Tennessee days, has loved not not my dad's Tennessee days, but this guy's Tennessee days, has been obsessed with the saga, and I have myself as well, of Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin is just amazing. Uh, I, I remember him at, at uh, Tennessee saying that, you know, Alshon would would come he'd to South Carolina. He would, gas, yeah, right? he'd be pumping somebody's gas with a South Carolina degree, which is, I mean, that's a good dig, right? Not not too harmful, nothing too aggressive, just a nice little nice little jab. Uh, also, Kiffin's not looking, he used to be, like, sharp, like, looking dude. He used to, like, he dro- drove, like, uh, a, one of those, like, BMW Z4s with, like, the, kind of the middle-aged, like, crisis car and had the, the like, the weird-looking frames, the glasses. My favorite, I tweeted out the picture of Lane Kiffin earlier at Ole Miss Football, uh, <laughs> of him in the glasses. It's just a hilarious picture, so go look at that if you haven't seen it. Um... But my dad texted me and says, Kiffin to Ole Miss, question mark. And I freaked out. And I pulled up every – I opened 15 tabs on my laptop and, or my desktop and just went to work. And I don't know what's going on. I know Kiffin met with Arkansas or was rumored to meet with Arkansas. He declined to comment on any coaching things at his press conference, which is nothing out of the normal for Kiffin or any coach for that matter. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I want this to happen so bad. 
And I can tell you what, if I'm Ole Miss or Arkansas, I get a lot more excited about Lane Kiffin than I do for Mike Leach. His one year in the SEC as head coach, Lane Kiffin, uh, was pretty good with Tennessee. I think they won seven or eight games in his first year. So, I mean, they, they beat the crap out of South Carolina on Halloween. I remember that. Then he went to Southern Cal and just had a weird couple years there. Um, I can't really defend him too much in there. Got fired on the runway. That was pretty funny. And then they had to get a cab home. Uh, <laughs> they did him dirty. But then he got it. He must have hated that, man. You don't do that to somebody you respect. Yeah, I think they lost at Arizona State. Gets back. They, he walks up the plane. Boom, fire him. They're like, catch a cab home. Wouldn't let him take the team, <laughs> team facility. Yeah, basically, which is hilarious. I mean, Link, you fire Lane Kiffin, you probably make him take the cab home. Uh, which I don't I, – Lane probably – was pissed off at the time, but would laugh about it like two seconds later. Do you uh, think he can successfully rebuild the yes, program? Yes, yeah, I, yes. I do think Lane Kiffin can successfully build the team. I really do. Okay. Uh, I think he's gotten some not fair shakes. I know in the NFL in his time with the Raiders, he did not want Jamarcus Russell. He did not want Jamarcus Russell. And Al Davis told him, you know, screw you, we're getting Jamarcus Russell, and you better find a way to win with him. <laughs> and he couldn't because Jamarcus Russell proved to be one of the biggest problems in NFL history. Yeah. Uh, but he's gotten some unfair shakes. And I, I had a little resentment for Kiffin at the time because he talked about in his introductory press conference to Tennessee about how great of a job it was, how people wait a lifetime for a job like Tennessee um, in the SEC. And then he left after the season. But – I mean, it was a Southern Cal job, and you, you don't get offered that job. You know, you were incredibly lucky to ever be mentioned for the Southern Cal job. Uh, well, in those days, at least. Now, eh. yeah. um, who is bringing back Clay Hilton? I, I, I thought I saw that he was fired. I, actually, I did see that he was fired or was going, and we talked about it on last week's show or Monday's show. He's back. He's staying for another year. Smart move. Anyway, so he left, goes to Southern Cal. Didn't work out for whatever reason. Um, and, and then he went to Alabama, and his offense has crushed it. He showed Nick Saban, he's like, hey, you can't run pro-style offense anymore. We need to run, like, up-tempo. We need to beat the hell out of teams. And they did. Uh, and then he went to Florida Atlantic, where he has been just having the time of his life. You pull lanes behind out of Boca and get him to quit drinking margaritas every night and probably <laughs> going to strip clubs or whatever Lane's Kiffin, Lane Kiffins do. Uh and stick him in a program and give, like, with a name like Ole Miss or Arkansas, and give him three to four years to figure it out. And I can guarantee you, Lane Kiffin, if you were Arkansas, why would you not take a chance on Lane Kiffin? You cannot buy a win right now. I can guarantee you he'll go six and six. He, You will not be losing to San Jose State at home if Lane Kiffin's your coach. I can promise you that. Um, and I think if you lose, kept Chad Morris one more year, you you can you would have not be doing that either. Yeah. But I can promise you, Lane Kiffin will snatch you out of the gutter, and kids will re- commit to Lane Kiffin. They you will he's a good recruiter. He will get you to go to uh, Ole Miss or Arkansas. So I, I want it to happen. I hope it does. I think there's a good bit of traction. Um, if you're Arkansas, I take him. Please, I'm begging you, Arkansas, please take him. But we'll ju- hop off of that. Uh, Dutch Fork and Dorman are playing right here in Columbia Saturday for the 5A state championship. I think Dutch Fork is going for their fourth straight state title. Uh, but I brought that up because it's going to be on the local station, Watch Fox. Um, and I'm sure you can stream it online if you're not in Columbia. But, yeah, watch if you're in Columbia or have Columbia TV stations, tune in and watch that game because I'm going to tune in Saturday. Uh, to check in on a little high school football. This is, I mean, Dutch Fork and Dorman played two years ago, I think, in the state championship, two or three. Um, and Dutch Fork's on quite the run right now, uh, it's, and they're ranked 11th nationally, I believe. Um, yeah, top 15, really good football team. So it's going to be fun. That'll be a good. That'll be a good game to watch. Uh, Friday, like I said, on it's airing on Watch Fox at noon, which is really cool. They did it on Fox Station. Um, thankfully, no. You know, big college football games going on 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 Fox at that time Saturday, so that'll be cool to watch. Turn that on your your laptop or your second TV while you're watching the Big Twelve championship game Saturday. Uh, and then there's a few others going on throughout the day, but right here at Williams Bryce. But I think that's about it. College next week, 
We'll do a college football playoff show for Monday. Uh, that'll be Monday's episode. We're recording Sunday night. We are going to record through the, uh, what do you call it? Selection show. We're going to record through the selection show. So you'll have my live actions, or live reactions, and you'll have Matthew's live reactions. I hope we get Georgia to lose and some things happen. I, I don't want Georgia to win, not because I don't want them in the college football playoff, but because it won't be as fun if they win, because then the top four is just going to stay the same. Um, because there are too many losses. Maybe, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what we'll see. Maybe Wisconsin beats Ohio State by 45. Uh, I still think you'd have to put them in just because there's no one else to take. Um, Alabama losing made it very interesting now. There's a few. There's a few t- it made it very easy for Alabama not to be in, uh, for the committee not to even have to think about Alabama. But uh, in other ways, it made it kind of these championship games this week. It, the way they work out is going to be real fun. So we'll talk about all of that on Monday's show. Um, I think that's all I got for today. You got anything else that you want to talk about before oh, we go? Oh, Brenda, you want to do the whole Bears? Oh, yeah. What do you What do you guys think for this matchup? Tonight? Oh, yeah, Bears, Bears tonight. Cowboys. So you know as you're listening to this, um, I'm taking the Bears just out of hatred for the Cowboys. It's hard to beat the Bears at home, especially in the Bear cold. weather. Yeah, Bear weather, for sure. Let me look up the weather in Chicago City. tonight. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's going to be extremely cold. Uh, Trembisky, see if he can get the job done. Is he? Probably not. Yeah, I'm probably going to go ahead. I'm, uh, uh, I'm gonna go he does have a Bears. better completion percentage than Brady currently. Oh, yeah, yeah, he does have a better complete. I saw that the other day. I'm glad you brought that up. Has a better completion percentage this season than Tom Brady, which is crazy. Tom Brady's also throwing to, like, yeah, I don't know. Chicken scratch. Dutch yep. fork receivers. So... <laughs> It's. I mean, there's some talent on that team, but Edelman's getting double coverage, double covered every play, and he's just still trying to throw the Edelman. It's not working out for him. Uh, not quite bare weather. It's. It's nice. It's. It's 45. It's I'm gonna be 45 at game time. I'm gonna go ahead and pick the Cowboys. Uh, I thought it was gonna be. I was hoping like the S8 degree weather. Yeah, that would have been nice. Nothing like watching the Bears play when it's like negative 30. Yeah. And they're no one's wearing sleeves. Nice bare weather. Um, some upset mothers out there. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Final score predictions? Uh, I don't uh, know. What, like 10 to 9? Because both teams just. The Bears, or defense is going to have to win because their offense sucks. I'm going to say 17 20. I'll say, I'll say, I'll say 16 to 13. Yeah, I would say right. 16 to 16 10. Yeah, that makes sense. Let's see how right you guys are. Yeah, you, you already know how right I am if you're listening to this. Probably wrong. <laughs> the Cowboys might win by 40. All right. All right. But anyway. Thanks for listening. Go make sure you subscribe, rate, review, follow the show at the lead underscore block on Twitter and Instagram. Follow Matthew at Matt the Chosen One with the numeral one on Twitter and Instagram. Myself on Twitter at Tyler Walters CNR. Um, tweet at us, DM us, comment on our tweets, on our links, anything we tweet from the show or from either of our personal accounts, what you want to hear about on the show. If you have any questions that you want answered, anything like that, let us know. Reach out to us. We'd love to hear it. Uh, hopefully, we will get someone in here next week to talk about Bentley. Hopefully, Zach's around. Um, we're going to try to catch him because I want to talk to him about that because he he's done a good bit of research this week on Bentley. Um, but, yeah, great show. Another good one. And we will see you Monday? Monday. Yep. Monday. We'll see you Monday. Thanks for listening. This podcast is part of the Garnet Media Group Podcast Network. Garnet Media Group is a partnership between student-run media outlets at the University of South Carolina. Find out more about Garnet Media Group's podcasts and other student work on garnetmedia.org.